Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. She's not a pleasant character as Margot. She's she's very over the top. She's very inconsiderate to other people. She's rude. She takes advantage of her star status. And when she has a breakdown at her party, which is sort of about even her future, she gets drunk and makes pianists play the same piece of sad music over again. And is very hard to deal with. And she can't really tell anyone. Why? Why is she doing that? They ask her why she's doing that. and But to me it seems very clear. It's because she's aware of being usurped. She's aware <laughs> of how big a deal that is. And everyone around her is acting like that isn't the reality. She knows full well it is. Hey everybody and welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher. You're listening to number 61. So we are joined by Beth. Hello. And David. Hello. From the podcast Wooden Overcoat. And we're going to be talking about All About Eve. Not, not All About Steve. Not that one. <laughs> I've been recently listening to all of my podcasts and all of my music using the Studio Regent headphone, which is a premium on-ear model Bluetooth headphone, which means there's no wires, people, which did scare me. I didn't want anything else to charge up. But the battery life is 24 hours, which is amazing. And you can get your own pair of the Studio Regent at studio.com. Think Phil Collins, su, su, studio. Um, use the offer code FLIXWATCHER and you'll get 15% off any purchase and you get free delivery worldwide so if you are in Timbuktu they'll fly it over to you hashtag poet guys if you want to get in touch join us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod come and visit us on our website FlixWatcher.tv and go to iTunes subscribe to us review and share with your friends because sharing is caring all films featured in the podcast were available to stream on Netflix UK at the time of recording and please be aware there will be spoilers and some language that may offend hello welcome to flix watcher podcast today we are joined by beth and dave if you would like to say hello and uh, tell our listeners about your podcast slash show uh, hello um this is uh, david i'm the creator and head writer on wooden overcoats which is a sitcom about rival funeral directors on a channel island which uh, Channel Island? It's on the Channel Island of Piffling, which is, exist, enti- is entirely fictional, <laughs> despite some reviews we've had to the contrary. <laughs> what have they said? Yes, they said, yeah, have, have you researched this place properly? And I said, well, as much as I can. <laughs> by, by that rationale, you, you've made everything up about it, so you've done all the research that needs to be done. I, I've had long, long conversations with myself <laughs> just to get the facts straight, yeah. And uh, I play Antigone Fun, uh, the mortician in Wooden Overcoats, who spends all the time embalming bodies and uh, trying to defeat Chapman, the superior undertaker. <laughs> I think we need to get you guys to explain what Wooden Overcoats is. Uh, Wooden Overcoats is, uh, there's a f- funeral director called Rudyard Fun and his twin sister Antigone, and they run a, a funeral home called Fun Funerals on the <laughs> island of Piffling. It's a funeral home that everyone has used because it's the only one, and you know, even though it provides terrible, terrible service, until the day that uh, Eric Chapman, this uh, absolutely uh, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, deliciously handsome gentleman, moves into the island and opens up his own funeral parlour uh, across the square and everybody goes oh I must get my funerals done that Chapman's and uh, it's all about uh, the funds trying to claw back a bit of business of themselves over the course of the series with a narrator who's also a mouse <laughs> Madeline the Mouse hey, Madeline the Mouse yeah and we've had Felix who plays Ch- um, Felix doesn't play Chapman Felix <laughs> plays your brother your twin brother Rajad yes and uh, Chapman played by Tom Crowley they've been on our show they have indeed yeah and they chose Pirates an adventure with 
scientist, scientist and the woman in black. Yeah, ideally. Yeah, ideally. Fantastically. Yeah. <laughs> right. We're talking about All About Eve. Beth, you chose the film. Why did you choose it and what happened? I suppose I chose All About Eve largely because I wanted to watch it again. I think I first saw it when I was a kid and I was too young to fully get it. But I remember uh, Betty Davis as the sort of very iconic actress figure and snatches of it. And then I watched it again five years ago and I thought it was brilliant. And it really does stand up to repeat viewing. So it's uh, all about theatre and, and why, is that, why is that of interest to you, out of interest, Beth? So I'm an actor, I guess my background is theatre. I trained in theatre and still work in it. And this is about the very competitive world of theatre in 1950, uh, very much focused on stage and actors vying for positions for parts. Um, so we start with an award ceremony um, narrated by the wonderful George Sanders as Addison DeWitt, who's um, who's a theatre critic, of, is very powerful, and he introduces us to this sparkling world where Eve is about to win an award. And, and then we flash back and we get to meet um, Mrs Richards, uh, who narrates most of the film. She is a very successful playwright's wife. She's slightly outside and within um, this world of the theatre. And she is coming to see her friend, Margot Channing, who's a huge star and is performing every night in a play. And she's noticed a woman who watches and waits for her to come out at stage door every night. And she goes to see play every night. And this is Eve. Um, and she takes pity on her and brings her in to meet her apparent idol, Margot Channing, who is the ferocious and fantastic Betty Davis. Um, and everyone is enraptured by Eve, and she sort of insinuates herself into her idol, Margot Channing's life, and becomes incredibly helpful, almost creepily helpful. And it, <laughs> it sort of emerges that what she wants most of all is to be an actress herself. And she's young and beautiful, and little by little she manages to inch her way in and inch Margot out. And it's just a, a fascinating take on that world with some fantastic performances and this dazzling cast. Mm. Um, uh, and I, I loved watching it again and sort of wanted to give everyone the opportunity to watch <laughs> it so. again. That's a great synopsis there. Yes, very detailed. Yeah. Uh, David, what are your thoughts? Have, was this the first time you've seen it? Or? Like Beth, I, I've seen it a, a couple of times before. Um, not when I, I was a child, uh, I must admit. But I, I've seen it a few times and it's always been a film I've absolutely loved. I do. I do think it's one of the best films made. It is one of my favourite films. So I was really delighted oh. when Beth chose it herself. We've got some, in, we're going to have some high scores, I feel, from you. Oh, yeah, no, it's, I think it's, uh, like Beth, I think it's a, a beautifully written, performed, directed film and, and watching it again, you know, it, 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 I think the story just stands up incredibly well. I always, in a way, think that the plot is more complicated than it is. But watching it, it goes at its own pace. But mm -hmm. it, all the details in the characters and the emotions and, and, the, and beautiful, very witty cutting dialogue all the way through. And it's again, and I think, though it's, you know, it's a, a slightly long, longer running time, it always feels much shorter to me, right. I must admit. I, I think it, it, it's got a really cracking story, which it follows... At its own pace, you get a lot of those characters, you get a lot of the conflict, um, and I also think it's very funny. I think one thing I, I want to point out here before going to Helen is <laughs> <laughs> if she doesn't like a film or the idea of a film, I quite often get a text beforehand saying, it's two hours and five minutes long. <laughs> so this film's like two hours 20, it is, it is. Yeah. and two, I, didn't get a text, I didn't get a text from you beforehand, so I... I figured by that you're quite looking forward to watching this film. Am I? Am I right? <laughs> well, I've I've seen it. I only saw it recently, a couple of months ago, because I was um, I was after something to watch and asked the, our fellow quiz team people what what I should watch on Netflix, and this was suggested to me, and I was like, "Was that on? Is that on Netflix?" Was that by Will? It was. Yeah, Will yeah. and Gareth both suggested it, and uh, I was like, "Oh, I need to see that." So I uh, watched it straight away. So this is my second viewing. So how do people hear about this one? Because I it's a classic yeah but that's that's the thing you have you need to have someone yeah, yeah. to introduce you to because i i watch things like the third man and oh yeah, yeah um because i did general studies 
<laughs> one of the lessons that we had was like film studies. I don't know how we got away with it. <laughs> so at the same time I was watching Godfather and things like I brought Dazed and Confused to the table. So like, the teacher brought The Third Man and those kind of films. And that's how I got introduced to films like this. Mm. How did you guys get introduced to? I can't really remember the first time. I think this is an era of films that, David, you've watched a mm, lot of yeah. films from this period and I haven't necessarily. I suppose for me, Betty Davis is sort of a, a performance that people associate with her. Mm. Um, and so I was interested in that. I guess over Christmas I thought of it again because of um, Feud, the BBC series about Betty Davis and Joan Crawford right. being rivals um, and sort of led me to think about those iconic actresses again and that sort of time in Hollywood. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of how I heard about it. Yeah, it's similar for me. It's one of those films which I went through very much a period, I think, at university of, you know, going to... You know, I went to Edinburgh and the Princess Street had a huge HMV, oh, which I would go into, and they had all the films, so, you know, and there was, there was a fop as well. All the films, these classic films, at like £3, £4, £5 each. And I, um, I don't think I'd seen any films of Betty Davis, and I thought, well, that's something I need to correct. <laughs> George Sanders is an actor I've always loved in anything I've seen him in of the, of the period. And it's just, you know, when I was... Looking, you know, I was looking at the DVDs and said, you know, this is a film with 14 Oscar nominations. Yeah. It was hugely um, beloved. You know, um, well, you know so winning you know, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Casting Support. You know, it, it had a huge pedigree. And it was also about theatre and film. I thought, well, it, it sounded just like a really interesting story. So even back then, the Oscars loved theatres. They loved stories about acting. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 I think yeah, it's one of those things that recurs, isn't it? That you know, Hollywood loves films, yeah. kind of about Hollywood. Though actually, all the way through, all of how do you, you know everyone's involved in theatre. The idea of going to Hollywood and making films is regarded as an insult for an actor's <laughs> craft. All the way through the film, which I find very, very funny. Yeah. yeah. What about yourself? Do you, Helen? Well, I'd say I only saw it this year, but I'd always known about it. I mean, I think it's probably the defining Betty Davis film, and it's just one of those kind of classic Hollywood films, and obviously made probably not that long before they sort of turned to colour, so one of the last black and white great. Sure. And, um, yeah, it's it's really funny. I When I watch it, I think this is the kind of film that the artist really wants to be. Oh, yeah. you, what, you're not, it, were you not that big a fan of the I artist? Think, no. I mean, really? the artist is just kind of a parody of all the great films without actually doing anything new or particularly yeah. interesting. I feel the same way. I, I was a bit, because I, I saw the trailer in cinema going, oh, that's really exciting. Beth is not happy. She's not, no, I, 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 you know, I saw the trailer when it was originally released. That looks brilliant. I really want to see it. And I saw the film. And It's a I, film no one talks about now. I love the aesthetic. And it looks beautiful. It's mm. gorgeous. But I think I was a bit disappointed. It was basically the same plot as, uh, as a, a Star is Born yeah. as well. Yeah, it's, it's the same plot I'd seen a few times. And, oh, I really wanted something a bit different. But I still really, really like it. Probably not as much as Beth is dying to tell me why we're wrong. No, 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 I think oh, yeah. maybe it's because I'm not so familiar with the era that it's it's trying to evoke. Mm. And so for me, sort of seeing that transition from not talking, from talking to not talking mm. was, was really interesting. And I'd never quite seen anything like that. But in a way, maybe it will make me go back and look at the films it's actually based on. And that mm. might be more interesting and more rewarding long term. But I did enjoy it. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's a beautiful film, though. You know, it, 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 you know, it does copy a lot of us but it's a beautifully made film it's certainly worth watching i, I love i love the artist yeah. especially the, the dog but yeah the dog it got my <laughs> so, dad to the cinema for the first time in 14 years oh, really prior to that the last film he saw was attack of the clones and after what? that he was like done that's, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> him off. i'm not going no to cinemas cinema. anymore Don't blame him what has he seen since um he's seen a few things since uh he saw whiplash okay um he has been out, of, out to the cinema a little bit more so things are looking say, up. like la la land he might have pulled him out uh, no, La La Land. He waited. Be... He waited to watch at home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I really enjoyed uh, all about Eve. I, like I say, I knew nothing about it, and I do consider myself to be someone who has a decent kind of outlook on films. Mm -hmm. um, and and I've, I've seen and loved Citizen Kane. Absolutely love. Um, it's gone from my mind. Where's Where's that film set in Bedford Falls? It's a Wonderful Life. That's the one. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, I can't remember the name, but I love that film. Um, so but this just never seemed to cross my radar as a film to watch. And looking at me and my wife a few years ago, did like the top 100 um, IMDb films mm. and came across things like, um, for the first time that I'd never seen like 12 Angry Men. I mean, oh, I'm, God, not, I'm just talking about black Is and white Is this not on it then? I can't remember. Oh, okay. But, so that's probably one of the mm. things that probably was there, but mm. it just didn't attract mm. me by the name. So I'm really glad that this, you know, one of the reasons why we do this podcast is to say, 
suggest films to ourselves here and to people who are listening that they may not have thought about or or heard about. So, mm. uh, kudos to you for suggesting it. We should say Marilyn, Ma- Marilyn Manson. Yeah, it's, it's Marilyn, Marilyn Manson. Manson, has Manson, has Manson is in the film. <laughs> An astonishing cameo. Um, but you know, yeah, no, Ma- Marilyn Monroe. Earlier performances. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So where's this in her her canon? Um, pretty early, I yeah. think. It's not the very first, but it's no. pretty early on. She's, she's got a few sort of films of small appearances, and in sort of 1950, she has The Asphalt Jungle and All About Eva. She has small but small appearances that are enough to get her noticed. She yeah. gets like a seven-year um, contract at Fox off the back of these two tiny, tiny, sort of not quite cameos, little guest appearances. Within one year, she's appearing on the posters for films. Within two years, she's top billing. Mm. And then, of course, sadly, within 10 years, she... She, she's no longer alive halfway through the making of a film. So it's a, it's a, a real sort of, it's, it's enormous of firework of, of mm. a career. And I think, Beth, you were saying when we were watching it the other day, it's almost a totemic in terms of the themes of this particular film. I think so, because obviously she wouldn't be there if she wasn't very charming and Marilyn Monroe, but you, no one could have known exactly what was going to come ahead. Mm. And in a film that's very much about older actors well, more specifically, old actresses being displaced by younger actresses. Here we have Marilyn Monroe, not really in it very much, but very much there. And I, I think I've heard that Betty Davis was a little bit harsh yes, with her really? and dismissive. Yeah. I could imagine she was. <laughs> and would have had no idea what was about to happen, which was that Marilyn Monroe would become hugely iconic compared to anyone in the film, really, even these huge stars. And it's really interesting watching, you know, this, this life of, you know, dog-eat-dog world and where your career, it can, you know, end like that. Um, that in this film, you know, George Sanders, who's the very intelligent one who knows how the business goes, he knows how um, Hollywood operates and how the theatre operates and the theatre's in his blood, he keeps telling us. Uh, and yet even he... You know, it, it, it's, it's more of a meta reading. But even he can't tell that this person he's shopping around, played by Marilyn Monroe, is actually going to be a massive star mm-hmm. within less than a year. And it's really interesting to see how the film, you know, the story of the film operates outside of its narrative through just having this actor there that they couldn't have known anything about, no. really, at that stage. And yet Marilyn Monroe, within, within yeah, 12 months after that film, is already, bang, she's starring in pictures, one of the most iconic, I mean, probably more iconic in a way than Betty Davis, at least yeah. from a visual standpoint. Um She's, you know, it, it's an incredible way of the, the film actually showing how true it is. And it couldn't have known that, but it's, uh, that's one of those interesting things watching it back. There's a few things that it kind of alludes to it's, it, um, that come, become apparent decades down the line. Yeah. Um, one of the things, obviously, the main, the main thrust of the storyline is Betty Davis is quote unquote old. <laughs> yes. She's just reached 40. Yeah. yeah. Um, and therefore, she needs to be, yeah, that's why she needs to be usurped by a younger, the younger generation. And this is something that comes in time and time again with female actresses, actors in, in particular, in that they, there's a stage of 20, up to 25-ish and then there's a gap and then there's like mum made and then there's another gap and then there's grandmother. And that, but what's wrong? So this, I don't know how relevant this, this 40, was this 40 years age point, was that really striking at this time in the 1950s or was it? Um, I think it's still, I mean, there are some actors who, um, I mean, I, I the, you look at the career of someone like Mae West, who was, you know, this huge um, sort of glamorous um, actor from in the 30s and very much sort of wrote her own dialogue and was this huge sort of style icon. And I was like, as an actor, had her own brand of her being these sort of very sexy, curvaceous, very strong-wheeled characters, but also throughout her career insisted that she was the same age that she was in the 30s. So when they get to, like, 1970, she's doing a romantic musical comedy with T- Timothy Dalton. And and she's, you know, always people are seeing how much they basically want to want to sleep with her and... Um, you know, she's very much an older, um, very much an old lady by that point, which is not obviously itself a problem, but it, it does, it is quite an odd fit for that particular film because mm. the characters are specifically talking to her as if she's still like 25. But um, I think even at this period, you know, the, and it's always been the case, but all the male characters are usually much older, the female characters, yeah. you tend to, if you're watching these film, you know, films this era regularly, younger female characters te- or actors don't tend to be in that many films. They don't tend to mm. stay, you know, they're in a few, disappear, and then suddenly 20 years later will be character actor parts. And I think it is quite a damning critique, which is very true and probably still true today. Yeah, I think we sort of think 40, it's very young to be worked up about. And Betty Davis is 42 when she's making this. She says that she's 40 and... Uh, her director boyfriend and then husband Bill is thirty. He's yes, that's that's re- that's 32. one thing I noticed. It's yeah. a rarity in this. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah, 
Um, he's, I think the actress is actually 35, so there is that age gap, and, the, and then they actually do get married in real life, oh, nice. which is kind of nice. But I think, I suppose, Betty Davis keeps working for years after this, and, mm-hmm. um, but it was interesting what you are saying, Helen, maybe this is the defining Betty Davis role. She's a brilliant actress, but maybe she doesn't have that many roles that really give her a chance to show everything she's got. She's won Oscars earlier in her career, but her later career is a bit more checkered. She's not the first choice for this part well, in not, All About no. Eve. She's not in the first casting. Yeah. I think it had an accident or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Betty Davis sort of snaps up the part thinking what a great opportunity it is for her. And I think that says a lot about how much of a fight it can be Absolutely. for her to get those parts. Um I think she's one of the actresses who was labelled box office poison um, around that time. So there's a lot to contend with as an older 40, how terrifying, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> actress. Yeah. I mean, I think Anne Baxter is 27 in this. So. Yeah. So she, Anne Baxter plays Eve. Anne Baxter plays Eve, absolutely. Yeah. So she's she's not 18, but she's got those crucial 10 years. She's also an, already at this point an Oscar winning actor mm. at this point. She's already been in a lot of films so you know that's quite interesting yeah that the, the, the age gap as supposed in the film is not actually as true in real life um, and yet we still kind of buy it and we go along with it um and i think it's something to do with the eyes as well you know betty davis there are some shots i just burst out laughing because she just exudes absolute poison just by staring at people not by looking at them sometimes it's Evie's being praised and you cut to bed, you know, she's just looking off camera and they're like, Christ, I don't know. Why am I here? And it's brilliant. I mean, what a fantastic set of expressions. I just, I mean, I've, I've, I I need to see more Betty Davis films. I just think she's magnificent in anything I've seen her in. Can we think about any actresses that have managed to be consistently acting through a range of ages? Um, I'm a massive Catherine Hepburn fan and I think, uh, you've got some performances where she's very young and she's working right up until she's quite ill and you can see that on right. camera. So she she has a very long career with uh, four Oscars that sort of span from quite early to quite late. Mm. She was also called Box Office Poison for a while, so um, yeah. intended to not go to Oscar ceremonies. Um, I mean, models are Meryl Streep as well. Yeah. Meryl, Meryl Streep, Streep today, I think, yeah. yeah. I mean, she's all over everything, she's isn't she? She's still kick-ass at the moment in the post. Is she yeah. Oscar yeah. for the post? I can't remember. I mean, she should be. It's, you know, yeah, she's very good in it, yeah. Post is one film I've actually seen this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually managed to see the post. No, I've, well, I've seen it. Uh, actually, uh, another actor on those lines that most people wouldn't think was actually Angela Lansbury. Who, That's true. Early in her career, there she's in films where she is, and it's difficult to believe in a way, Angela Lansbury is the glamorous young ingenue character that, mm. the, that the hero is lusting after in, I think she's in Samson and Delilah, I think. And she's the, and then she's an evil villain, the Manchurian Candidate in the sixties. And so she, she is an actor who works very, very consistently. But we all we remember her for is, you know, doing sort of um, murder mystery yeah. things, and <laughs> and being in productions of Blythe Spirit, um, and being this sort of fruity older character actor. But she 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 was working very consistently. I think I think female actresses tend to have a better deal because we can think of like Helen Mirren and yeah. quite a lot. I don't think of any names. Judy Dench. Yeah, Judy Dench. People like that who. You mean in the UK or? Yeah, well, British actresses um, tend to. I don't know. Maybe America is a bit more kind of cutthroat, and you know, the roles aren't there. But if you think of someone like Helen Mirren as well, they've had you know fairly decent roles all all the way through their career. Yeah, true. But in the sort of the the availability of roles and something, I think Beth, you'd be able to speak more on it. It always seems that they. The categories are sort of parts you can play. As I think Kobe, you were saying, is usually it's this sort of younger parts who tend to be romantic parts, and then there's a bit of a barren wasteland until you get to. There's a few sort of mumsy parts, and they have old lady mm. parts. But the quality of roles for a lot of female actors is actually quite limited. Uh, I think it depends on the sort of casting you have. If you're if you're Betty Davis, mm. I mean, she goes through films playing a lot of villains but she she's she's a woman with a huge sort of slightly terrifying and wonderful sexuality and you think what happens to that as you get older is Mm. that going to be something that's going to be allowed to be put on screen Mm. i mean i'm so on her side in this film especially (laughs) watching it now compared to when i was younger but i i think she she's not a pleasant character as margot she's she's very over the top she's very inconsiderate to other people she's rude she takes advantage of her star status and when she has a breakdown at her party which is sort of about 
Eve and her future. She gets drunk and makes pianists play the same piece of sad music over again and is very hard to deal with. And she can't really tell anyone why. Why is she doing that? They ask her why she's doing that. And But to me it seems very clear it's because she's aware of being usurped. She's aware of how <laughs> big a deal that is and everyone around her is acting like that isn't the reality. And she knows full well it is. And in the end she she seems to have a sort of happy ending because she marries Bill, her boyfriend, and they're going to go off and be happy and that seems to be what she wants but the film doesn't necessarily indicate that her acting career will continue mm, yeah which is interesting bit, it's a troubling ending. i mean the bit when you're watching and when she says um she having an argument with uh with bill in the theater and um he, he's giving off what he thinks about her and she says you're you know, you're clearly not a woman mm. um and it's and it's just a really interesting quite and he says oh no i suppose i'm not and even when he she's directly criticizing him for saying look you just don't understand things from my point of view um he still doesn't um but it is it's, i always think it in some ways it's um i don't wonder if it, if it is a sort of a feminist film you know they're very strong roles the female cast yeah. they say it's a film that you know well the only the only one with four uh acting nominations for four female actors and it's, Got some so wonderful how parts. does that work? So I think it's two lead and two supporting yeah, actresses. Support. Okay. Yeah. So, so Anne, Anne Baxter and Betty, Betty Davis, Davis yeah. are nominated. And then the supporting role is uh, Celeste Holm, who is the, uh, the playwright's uh, wife. And uh, the narrator figure and the, who sort of yeah. takes us through everything. And uh, Thelma Ritter, who is um, only in the first sort of half an hour or so, but she's the sort of um, uh, Betty Davis' assistant for a while. That's yeah. sort of one who, who, you know, I think she's, she's also in Rear Window, really. Hitchcock fans listening and she plays roughly the same character and she's also brilliant. <laughs> she's uh, fab though and she she's she yeah. sees through Eve quite yeah. quickly which is a lot of fun. And she, I mean the part was written for her apparently. Okay. Uh, they said oh I love working with an actor let's have a part let's have a, a Thelma Ritter part. Just write it for her. And yeah, just cast Thelma Ritter. <laughs> yeah. um, but it is, it, is, it is really the bit that sort of sticks out I suppose now is, is Betty Davis this idea of her you know happy ending is getting married and going off with this chap and I, and I, I don't need in a way it's happy because she gets out of this horrible rat race of people biting each other but on the other hand there's it, something not quite that's the bit that I suppose sticks out a bit mm. to, a, to a modern viewing because that's nowadays the thing that they're trying to move away from in Disney films is saying the, once you get married you're happy and yeah. and recent Disney films Moana and mm. you can have a career you can follow yeah. your yeah, dreams exactly. you don't need a man by yeah it, it, it's interesting that you know you as you're watching it you sometimes feel that the ending should be that she's going she, she realizes well i can't play those those particular sort of young ingenue parts anymore but actually i'm going to have rather more interesting roles over here or my career will continue but mm. in a different fashion but maybe that would muddy the themes of the film a bit too much i don't know i i, I wanted uh margot channing to continue and do all this all these all these things um very much aware we're probably spoiling the end of the film here. I'm not sure we, that's, that's a problem for the listeners. Now we're going to recommend it. We are allowed spoilers. That's fine. Um, <laughs> let's talk a bit about uh, what's what's Thelma's character called again. Uh, Birdie. Birdie. Because um, <laughs> I really liked how this film uh, played out, and because, like, as you said, Bird was the first person to see. It. Pretty much straight away, she kind of thought, "Yeah, yeah. she she's a wrong one <laughs> um, in some way, shape, or form." And then slowly, the other people started to twig that there's something going on here yeah. until the, you know, the secret was fully un- uncovered in yeah. an almost like Mad Men kind of way. Mm. Um, and also, have, have you guys, I've not seen it, but have you guys seen Single White Female? I haven't, no. Okay, well, there's no point talking about it because I don't know the story. <laughs> <laughs> I thought one of you guys might have seen oh, it. I, I just thought there might be this, this thing about a single white female who turns up random. I don't know what the story is, a synopsis for single white female, but I thought that might be it, alluded purely by the title. Yeah. So yeah, the, the idea that this one person comes in and she just kind of takes over everything and but slowly ingratiates herself into um, where she doesn't quote unquote belong. And she's got this really, yeah. she has got a master plan straight away. From the start, she's lying about who she is. Yeah. Does it really well? Does it really convincingly? And then one one by but one. But she is rumbled. Exactly. Mm. <clears throat> well, so first of all, she gets exactly what she wants to and then mm. gets rumbled by the critic chap. Yeah, yeah in a rather kind of, uncomfortable way he claims that she belongs to him yeah. which obviously in, in our kind of post Weinstein yeah. environment mm. it's um it's, it's kind of like it's happening then and so, it's uh, yeah. so happening explain now what, what and, that means exactly then for this for well he, for he's, he says that you know she belongs to him he's kind of rumbled her he'll he'll make her he can break her and 
you know that's kind of it she needs to kind of give herself to him in in quite probably the most uncomfortable scene mm. of the film probably yeah so Addison DeWitt has been he is the first narrator we hear and he's been he seems to have been very useful to Eve, helping her with her career. When mm. she gets her first opportunity to understudy Margot, he writes articles about how wonderful her performance was and helps to sort of sell her sob story that she's told everyone and put forward the idea that young actresses shouldn't have to wait for older actresses to retire. So he he's very useful to her early on. Mm. And she's so clever and has everything so worked out, she perhaps doesn't reckon on the idea that he has an agenda too, as it turns out, um, which he makes very clear at the end when he confronts her with the fact that he has figured out the holes in her story, has figured out that she made up her name, yeah. that she's invented her dead husband, that her background is a lot less innocent than it seems, and that he is prepared to hold that over her in ways that are slightly ambiguous but also clear. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's yeah. what I was trying to get at with the I own you thing, yeah. you belong to me thing, is like, is that as dark as um, they don't make, like I said, they don't make it that obvious, but is it construed as to be as dark as I don't want it to be? I would think so. I mean, presumably, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, in that day and age, it would just, they obviously wouldn't have been able to have anything on screen, but mm. that's clearly what's implied. And obviously at the end of the film, um, he's sort of still hanging around. He's still very much kind of there mm. in a slightly creepy Weinstein kind of way. Because it's George Sanders who, also, despite the uh, the four Oscar nominations for female roles, he he is actually the only one who comes out with an actual Oscar win at the end of of, of all this. You have this uh, man, this the wonderful sort of velvety voice that he uses as Shere Khan in the Jungle Book, and we we, we absolutely adore. Oh, that. okay, nice. Yeah, we absolutely adore this character because um, he's so he's got all these witty lines, and he hates he hates everyone. He doesn't mind that everyone hates him, so we kind of enjoy it. And so there is that kind of unsightly, the unpleasantness of the character we really like. I'm not sure we're necessarily rooting for him because he's not going to do anything except, you know, carry on his career and have a bit of fun. But saying that in that scene where he is sort of being very unpleasant, he's mm. like, oh, we, we've really liked you and we still kind of do because of who you are, George Sanders, but actually this is very unpleasant. And yeah, there's a, almost a slight sort of sexual distancing of this, you know, he, there is a slight camp quality to George Sanders in a way. Mm. Um, he says, you know, you know, we are people who cannot love and, you know, something, you know, that sort of sexual quality is never, as you say, never stated, but it, it's a very strange quality that he brings to the film um, and in those scenes where I wonder if, if you say it was remade, you probably would have somebody much more overtly, yeah. I don't know. You know Leering. Yeah, as you say, yeah, somebody, he, he probably, you know, the, when he's yelling at her and being very unpleasant, he, he's still you know, several feet away standing there looking down still you know his suit and very immaculate whereas now you think it probably would go rather further be even more unpleasant in a way i don't even think we'd really need but it probably would um no i i, I find those things really interesting as well especially if it's a character who we really like and by the end you go no that actually no we, we shouldn't we shouldn't have been liking you at yeah. any point because you're horrid <laughs> So a couple of things before we go to the scores. The first is, you said remade, but there is a film called All About Steve. <laughs> Which yes. I know nothing about. <laughs> I must yeah, yeah we, we pass on that. <laughs> we have to look it up on Wikipedia. From what, what I understand, it was the it was a Bradley Cooper vehicle. No, it wasn't a Bradley Cooper vehicle, but they made the film mm. and said, oh, this is shit. I'm going to throw this away. <laughs> but then Bradley Cooper became famous from Hangover. Yeah. And then they were like, let's release this. Um, oh, okay. I think that's the film. But, okay. um, with Sandra Bullock as well. I um, where she? Yeah, but I don't think it's about. Is it a remake? It's not a remake. <laughs> no, I'm not saying it's a remake. I'm just saying it's title steal. They've stolen it. Yeah, they have. They played with the title. They played with the title. Yeah. Apparently, it was made as, as a musical in the 70s. Um, I, I reliably told by Wikipedia. Um, from, <laughs> <laughs> I've got my data. Wikipedia don't lie. Uh, certainly, but uh, in which uh, apparently. Um, yeah, it was in the early 70s called Applause, which I, I must, I'd love to see. I'm sure it'd be fantastic. But um, apparently the Margot Channing, Betty Davis role in the musical at one point was played by Anne Baxter, who plays Eve in oh. the film. So she sort of oh, wait, cool. waited 20 years, came back and played the role that she was trying to usurp in the film, in the musical. Like the ending of the film. Yeah. Very much, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've seen, I've, presumably that means this this play, you know, all that Eve should be brought back about once every sort of 20, 30 years. Nice. Until the end of human civilization, I think it's, it's a very, very good story. And the last thing I wanted to ask was Eve's background backstory. She's not that good a con person if she hasn't even researched the name <laughs> no. of theatres in San Francisco. It's very vague, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I I was like, 
dude, you got to do. Yeah, your but research. the thing is, there's no internet then, Kobe. Yeah. You couldn't just like <laughs> hop on the internet yeah. and Google. You'd have to have been there and then yeah. happen to meet someone who had also been there and have them challenge you. I get that. That's true. But these are, you're meeting people who are trying to be who are. You know prevalent stuff, in, a, yeah. in, an, in an industry that you're trying to get into you should at least know the name of a place where you think you, where you it, quote you're thinking too much I, I think it would be don't overthink this film <laughs> if you had a modern remake the moment where she you know Eve first comes and sits down and starts telling everyone it would be ruined if everyone said hang on they all got out their phones and went, that's just bollocks mate what are you talking about <laughs> she just kicked her out it would be 10 minutes long I'm here on IMDB you know, I, just, uh, I can't see anything here <laughs> Actually, that scene itself is amazing. I, I was, when I was watching it, I thought it's really nice and quite clever. Ha- having been someone, I, I've written in the past scripts that involve people trying to put on plays, etc. And you always try to avoid having, if people are putting on a fictional play, you don't want any of the actual fictional dialogue because it's boring for the audience. It's difficult to write. But all the way through this film, you never. there are several plays they're performing. You never see them. You never mm-hmm. see the performances mm-hmm. in auditions. And you think, and everyone's saying how great Eve is. And it would be really awkward if you had to see Eve actually you know, giving the best acting of her lifetime in the film. Yeah. But that scene where she's telling everyone her backstory, and I was watching thinking, oh, this is going on a bit, and realising, oh, this is her audition for the entire film. If we buy her in this, which we all do along with the cast, and it is shot like it's an audition, she sat there in front of five individuals. And I thought, oh, and after, it's the first time I realised that, going, oh, that's very clever. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's very, that's handy for the story. Also stops you having to write some difficult scenes later. Well done. Because <laughs> also, it's, it's really funny, because the play... And the dress that Betty Davis wears for this play yeah. is quite ridiculous. And I'm always sort of imagining what kind of performance requires this dress yeah, and yeah. gives, you know, everyone this like, oh my God, it's the best performance ever. Yeah, Beth was saying that. You're, yeah. you're left thinking like, it's a really bizarre costume. I think in they have to have little bits of theatre there, but in a way in not being there helps us to keep it sort of yeah. fresh in our minds and fill in the blanks ourselves. Because the minute you see her in that costume, you think, what kind of play this? Not a skirt. How can yeah. you move around? <laughs> and it's presumably the play. That is it. Well, she's obviously it's a period piece, but the play that the, the playwright uh, Lloyd is doing later on, we see a brief bit of an argument, and that appears to be much more of a moderns sort of kitchen sink type. So, you know, there's a, there's some young chap with a furrow brow sat at the table, going, "Oh dear," and you know, it's in a kitchen or something. So presumably, Margot Channing was meant to be in a much more modern play later, which she then decided not to bother with. And whether that's meant to be an intentional thing of, you know, again, the sort of difference of ages, here you are in a period piece, but you shouldn't be in this modern play. I don't know, but it's, um, yeah, I, I, in a way, I'd like to have seen a few, <laughs> a few of those scenes. I mean, what on earth what the fuss was about. But um, I think, Beth, you said, even when you actually see them acting or bowing, it sort of breaks the suspension mm-hmm. away. We kind of don't really want to see Much them of, performing. Yeah. 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 Helen, what's, uh, what are those in your ear? What, these sexy things? Uh, these sexy, okay. <laughs> these are my new tray wingtip inner ear headphones. Ah, where do you get those tray tipped wing earphones? They have come from the wonderful people at Studio. Studio, studio.com. And how do I get a pair? You can visit their website and if you use the code FlixWatcher, not only will you get a new pair of headphones, but you will also get 15% off your purchase. 15% is bargain. Man- magnificent. Okay, well, I'll head over there right now. And so should you listeners get your 15% off. Use the code FlixWatcher. This has been a sponsored announcement on FlixWatcher Podcast. Let's get to the scores. So these are uh, painted FlixWatcher scores. Yep. Um, first up is the recommendability score. So this is, they're all the scores are out of five. Ooh. And uh, basically, yeah, how, how much do you recommend this film? And we'll start with you, Beth, as it's your choice. I think five, I think, yeah, people should watch it. It's part of history and it's got a lot to say. What would your score have been as a, what, how old were you when you first watched this? I don't know. Um, I think I was just a kid, maybe. Two. two no. Were <laughs> double digits then? I think so, maybe ten or so. Okay. Um, um, so what are your thoughts at this? What would your recommendability score be? Uh, no Tom and Jerry, so one. <laughs> <laughs> no Tom and Jerry. I think as a kid I would have found it a bit confusing, yeah. so maybe three. <laughs> David. I, three yeah. still quite high. If you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is confusing. So <laughs> this confused. is for you Stand now, it. as an adult. We, yeah. we don't need yeah. you to go That's back quite... to your ten-year-old self <laughs> I, to think yeah. about how you'd score I it. Think I, yeah, I go. That. I do think it's a it's, it's a great film. It's um, yeah, I go with a, a good clear five. Helen, this is a five. This is a classic. This is. Yeah. I mean, we've we've touched on it a little bit, but it is 
it's really, really funny. Yeah. It's really yeah. biting and you know, the performances in it are great and it's 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 really timeless as we've obviously sort of picked it apart a little bit now. But um if you're still listening and haven't seen it, then what are you waiting for? <laughs> Stick it on now. I'm gonna go for a four uh point one. <laughs> <laughs> and I I really like it and the, but the reason I'm not going to go towards the five uh, stratosphere end of the scoring uh, patented scoring system is because when I saw films like Twelve Angry Men, mm. for example, and It's a Wonderful Life, I was just literally like my mind was blown as mm. to like this is amazing. I just loved the story, I loved everything about yeah. it, and I think All About Eve is fantastic. And I don't, I still don't, I can kind of see why it maybe just didn't enter my realm of thinking. Um, it's a great film. I guess I'm judging against. I mean, those two are also five-star films. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's but based on that scale. They, they yeah. wouldn't be five-star recommendations for me. Yeah. What? They'll still be oh. Back to the Future, still Ooh. the five, and everything else graded, <laughs> graded down from there. Um, repeat viewing score. So, Beth, you've seen it three times now. I have. Um, I have to say five. I think I'd love to watch it again in a year's time. I think there's a lot of detail in there, and it's really beautifully made, yeah. and there are a lot of great performances. So I would say watch it again. <laughs> I think I'll drop, I go to a four Ooh. on it because I do think it's, because though I think it's a five-star film, it's a film that I think benefits. I, I hadn't seen it for a while and I'd forgotten a lot of it. And the, So it's a film that I think I don't want to go back to again while I can still remember it freshly because I, I, in the same way that it might not be sort of a um, mind-blowing in the 12 Angry Men way, which I also absolutely adore. Mm. It is a film which I like to sort of not, you know, see these old friends again. It feels, it's like a sort of, a, it's a really sort of, Oddly, it's not a soothing film. It's a very sort of vel- velvety film. It's something I want to sort of put on and wear. It's, it's a beautiful film that I kind of want to forget about and then yes. come to it again mm. and then love it all over again. So I give it a four because it's one I definitely want to see again, but it won't be for a couple of years, I think. I like it. I'm also going to go for a four. I did think, have I seen it recently enough to get away with not watching it again? Just because it was quite recent, probably only a couple of months ago, but I, I did give it another go and... I think you're you're right in saying it. You know, a good amount of time should elapse between it, and then you sort of kind of remember remember enough of it to not be sort of what's going on, yeah. and then to kind of like enjoy the the, the fabulous one liners. But um, if you've seen it like a while ago and you're thinking maybe you should give it a go again, then I'd really recommend you do. Cool. I'll give it a three. Um, I think you definitely need to watch it again. I'm, I will watch it again. Um, because I think there's a lot more to take away from it than I, I would have seen in the first viewing, and that's warrants it. But I don't think I will be watching yeah. it that frequently after. Two hours and 18 minutes that's is quite true. a long yeah. one to yeah. be revisiting weekly. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the length of it does yeah. play into that fact. But like you say, the two hours and yeah. 50 minutes didn't, didn't, wasn't waiting. It doesn't it drag, yeah. It doesn't drag. Um, and the story developed well at a pace, but but subtly. Yeah. Um, to keep to keep you going, but not leave you lost at any point in, yeah, the, yeah. in the film as well. So I think it's yeah, definitely. Um, small screen scores. You guys know what that is. Do you want an explanation? Yeah, go on. So how relevant is this for? How well does this work on a smaller screen, i.e., on this TV size down to? Oh yeah. yeah. So do you feel that you you wish you'd seen this in the cinema? the first time it came out yes um, <laughs> I think I'd go for a 4.5 I would love to see this film on oh. the cinema screen but I think it's also a sort of perfect curl up on the sofa kind of film sure. um, yeah. it's black and white not that that can't be wonderful I mean David Bryson <laughs> Blu-ray but uh, you know it's it's great to curl up with on the sofa and watch and you're not really losing anything but it would be exciting to see it on the cinema too mm. so <laughs> I think I'd agree with that. I think I'd give that a four point five because I think it, it's no, it's in a, it's nineteen fifty. It's in it's in a four point three aspect ratio for those who care about such things. But it's in, it's an old telly ratio. Academy ratio. You don't need it. You don't need it. It's not a widescreen film. It doesn't have any huge um, special effects and massive sets and the rest of it. So you don't lose anything for watching it on television um, compared to cinema. But there is something I would adore watching it in a big in a proper big cinema. Seeing there because it's 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 a, say it's a film about it's a film about stars it's a film about massive stars you need to be in a large place to properly get that and see it in its context so yeah four point five absolutely except for watching it at home on on television but great to see it in the cinema Helen uh, I'm going to go the same four point five um, this is like a perfect Sunday afternoon film um, and you know this is one of the things that is great about Netflix that there are these 
hidden classics that are on there and if you haven't seen them they're, they're there yeah and you can check them out but um yeah i mean it would have been nice to maybe see it at the cinema but definitely tv size yeah curl up on that sofa definitely how did you find this beth by the way on netflix did you just did you type it in to see if it was there or was it recommended to you um yeah no i typed it in to see if it was there i no. think when thinking about this um i'm gonna give it 4.5 as well i don't think you need to see it in the I might, I might nudge up to five, actually. I, I probably wouldn't want to see this in the cinema, to be honest with you. So I'll probably nudge up yeah. to five there. Yeah. Um, but like you say, in the Academy ratio, and is, what's, this, what's, the, what's the history of this film? Was it a, a play before it turned into film? Because it seemed... So it was a short story called... Uh, the Wisdom of Eve. Wisdom of Eve, yeah, which was in itself based on an anecdote somebody was told. And they wrote this short story, uh, Joseph Mankowitz. Uh, um, writer director looked at him and oh that's good mm. I want to do that turn it into a script does a screenplay apparently the producer gets involved and says you've made it a bit too obvious and I'm going to hack 50 pages out of it but generally well done Joseph and they put it on but it's very much based on the short short story um, I was surprised it wasn't based on a play yeah. I, I would have bet a lot of money on that mm. but you know very much a short story. Yeah, I thought it, it played out as a, as a play in its, in its structure and, and in the scenes of the settings I could easily see the sets being mm put onto the stage um i'd love to see it on stage i mean yeah. i know there used to be a musical but i think you know a, a straight adapt straight theater adaptation i think it'd go down yeah, pretty well yeah. in the west end i think it'd do pretty pretty well if anyone's listening yeah. <laughs> um engagement score so how engaged were you whilst watching all about eve beth uh five it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool. this is one of the highest scores so you've got an overall score of 4.875 Crikey, well, you like this film a lot. I, so um, you're engaged all the way through. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's as we said. It's it's not the shortest film, mm. but I think it it carries you along with it very well. I, I think I think we were saying, David, that the ending where the uh, sort of new mm. Eve girl turns up yeah. and then takes her clothes and stands in front of a mirror, so you can see endless young girls coming up forever, yeah. is possibly a little bit heavy-handed in that we sort of got that message already but it's also a beautiful shot yeah um and up to that point i'm not really bored or wanting it to be shorter at any point but that's that's me <laughs> uh i'm going to go with actually i think to us i oh, i might go with a four i think it's brilliant again absolutely but i must admit Two hours, 20 minutes. I think it does benefit from stopping it halfway through for a cup of tea, which, <laughs> which we do. And I think it does benefit from that. So it's not the sort of, it's not the sort of anyway, I must watch it all in one go. I certainly wouldn't walk away from it and watch it the next day. But you know, I think it does benefit from, you know, like they used to do in the old days, a bit an interval partway through the film. So get I would... Ice cream out. Yeah, I'd like popcorn. to... Exactly. I'd just stand up and, and get, a, get a Cornetto and a cup of tea. Dunk <laughs> my Cornetto in the tea. <laughs> quarter of an hour maybe and go back into it. So I'll, I'll give it a... give it a, No, I'll give it a 4.5. Let's knock it up a bit. 4.5. <laughs> Uh, Helen uh, I'm also going to go for the 4.5 um, just because the, the second time because I'd seen it so recently I wasn't as engaged but the, the first time round I was completely all the way but in fairness of the times I've seen it 4.5 I'm going to give it a 4 mm -hmm. 3.9 <laughs> um, <laughs> Outrageous um, I didn't know that he, I didn't know these people apart from Marilyn Monroe and when she came on the screen it's like is that Marilyn Monroe stop Wikipedia <laughs> yes. IMDB check this out is this made you know yes. I, was, yeah. I was tweets I was like on the internet trying to work out what's going on here um, so I was just engaged I was too engaged in other things to check out the story behind the film mm. um, and I could get quite a lot by just listening to listening to the dialogue as well. I didn't feel often that I needed mm. to be watching it, hence perhaps my small screen score. I didn't feel yeah, I needed yeah. to be looking at the screen to see exactly what's going on mm. all the time. But there were some, like I said, there were some looks of Betty Davis where she, she plastic oh. lance and... Um, yeah. So that's why it's perhaps higher than I thought it would be because I think there's some... I'm sure I missed some bits mm. uh, because I wasn't paying full attention um, and that's why I should watch it again but maybe not many often, so many quite, times. Why well, Betty Davis is still such an amazing screen star, because a lot of the other actors, you can get a lot of what they're doing from from listening to it alone. Mm. As you say, you can look away or look at your phone. But Betty Davis, you just look at, and she's conveying so much of her character the film just by sitting there and looking. I think you are definitely, you are a very firmly visual actor. There is so much you're doing yeah. by sitting there. You look like you kill everyone in the room. If, it, <laughs> if you shut the door, we came back five minutes, they'd be dead, and you'd be the only one there still with a drink. Completely, completely drunk of a cigarette, and we believe that. I just think she's a brilliant visual actor as well. You, you just have to watch her performances. That so we have an overall score. Is, is this this is a new winner? I don't know. So we have 
the overall score is four point uh, four six. No, the overall winner is four point seven with what we do in the Ooh, shadows. So oh, so close. So four this points. Is, this is a the first is, real challenger we've had to. Um, no, uh, hunt for the wilder people is also up there. Quite high. So hunt for the wilder people was four point one. Yeah, four point seven. What were you? Yeah, this we, is uh, great. I want to look at this a lot. Stats. I know. Shock and free. You only got one. Yeah. 4.7. <laughs> Outrageous. Still not beaten, but still not beaten. I think yeah. I think that might Contender. be second place. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Well, Eve is well, second place. So yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. well, well done, Beth. Well, good I think, shout. I think if it was twenty minutes shorter, sure. um, then it yep. would have been a high. It would. Yep. It'd be higher. So that's what tends to be. Yeah. Instantly higher ratings films. Are. Ninety minutes. Yeah, ninety minutes is <laughs> or less. The sweet spot. Um, well, what we're doing the shadows like eight point one. Uh, sorry, yeah, eighty-one, so 81 minutes. minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and also, and we also said we could take, we can divide that quite happily into like twenty-minute chunks as well. Yeah. Uh, so it's a sitcom in the making. Yeah. Oh what? <laughs> <laughs> so well done. Yeah, fantastic. Um, thanks high for thanks yeah. for choosing it. Yeah. Oh, thanks for having us. Cool. Guys, can you sign off by letting us know where we can find you on Twitter? And also, as we record this, season three of Wooden Overcoats is going out. So by the time you listen to this, guys, it will be the season three. So recommend you go and listen to the first two seasons first before season three comes out. So um, you know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> but tell us uh, where we can find you online and your Twitter places. And the website is www.woodenovercoats.com. Um, you can also of course, find it on all your usual uh, podcast wears um and we are at twitter at overcoats wooden and uh, also if you type us into facebook wooden overcoats you'll definitely find us there and um, <laughs> do find us there. Beth concur. i do concur and if you want to listen to anyone else from wooden overcoats on flicks watcher we have uh, two episodes with felix and, and, tom. and tom um so they were on earlier on in our run very early yes um one of the first people we we they chatted were. with yeah so check them out as well and you'll hear their voices when you listen to the wooden overcoats podcast thanks yeah. for coming on thanks for <laughs> this having has us been lovely. it's been lovely Cheers, guys. Thank you. Thank bye. You. bye well thanks guys for listening to flixwatcher podcast um please do come and find us online we're on twitter at flixwatcher pod Come and visit our website, flixwatcher.tv. Thank you so much to our fantastic editor, Brendan Russell, for his fantastic editing skills, of course, and to Mighty People for the tunes you can hear right now. <laughs>